How would you feel if you suddenly lost your sense of sight? What would you do? How would your life change? Today, we will be talking about a disease that starts with inflammation of blood vessels, but if left untreated can lead to permanent vision loss, changing a patient's life forever. Today, our patient has giant cell arteritis and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast made by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is entitled Giant Troubles, Approach to GCA and Polymyalgia Rheumatic. Time for our minute physiology. Giant cell arteritis, also known as temporal arteritis, is a large to medium vessel vasculitis that most commonly affects the extracranial branches of the carotid, such as the temporal artery, but may also affect the aorta and its branches. While the exact pathogenesis is not fully understood, Studies of arterial wall pathologies have shown infiltration of these structures by CD4T lymphocytes and macrophages. These cells often congregate and form granulomatous giant cells from which the disease receives its name. Vessel inflammation can also lead to intimal remodeling and luminal obstruction, which results in ischemic complications. Polymyalgia rheumatica, or PMR, is a chronic inflammatory condition characterized by proximal muscle pain and stiffness due to tenosynovitis and bursitis surrounding the neck, shoulders, and hip girdles. It is believed to exist on a clinical spectrum with GCA, as patients with both diseases share similar genetic polymorphisms in the HLA-DRB1 alleles, histopathological findings of CD4-positive infiltrates, and rapid responses to treatment with systemic glucocorticoids. Both GCA and PMR almost exclusively affect individuals older than 50 years of age, and reach peak incidence in those in their 70s and 80s. As with many other rheumatic conditions, women are affected more than men in a 2 to 1 ratio. Those of Scandinavian or Northern European descent are also affected at increased rates, with an annual incidence of approximately 20 per 100,000 compared to 10 per 100,000 in the general population. Alright, so now that we've talked about the basic physiology, let's talk about the approach. Depending on their underlying disease, patients with GCA and PMR may present in different ways. The classic GCA patient is a Caucasian woman in her 70s who presents with new-onset headache, jaw claudication, and painless vision loss. Patients may also present with fever, which may or may not be the only sign of disease. Early recognition is very important in this case, as vision loss can become progressive or permanent without prompt treatment. Your history and physical must also help you include or exclude other critical diagnoses, such as stroke, meningitis, or malignancies. As always, ensure your patient is stable prior to your assessment. How are their ABCs? What are their vitals? What is their GCS, and is it deteriorating? Feared complications of GCA include aortic aneurysms and dissections, which may require immediate stabilization. Only after you have ensured the patient's stability can you proceed with the rest of your assessment. Most patients with GCA will present with new-onset headache of varying quality and intensity. The headache itself is typically temporal, but may also vary in location based on the patient. Eliciting the timing of the headache is also important, as it may clue you in on alternative diagnoses, such as subdural hemorrhage if it was post-trauma, or subarachnoid if it was a sudden thunderclap. Other symptoms associated with GCA include scalp tenderness and jaw claudication with chewing. 
Loss of vision may initially be transient, but can progress to permanent monocular or binocular blindness if left untreated. Constitutional symptoms such as fever, night sweats, and weight loss are common in patients with GCA but are nonspecific to the disease. Patients with GCA may have coexisting features of PMR, which typically manifests as chronic polyarthralgia and polymyalgia. This usually affects the patient's proximal muscles, including posterior neck, shoulders, hip girdle, and lower back. It is typically associated with morning stiffness that improves with activity. It may also lead to daily functional limitations, such as being unable to comb their hair in the morning or rising from a chair unsupported. On physical exam, it is helpful to take a systems-level approach. If the patient is complaining of headache, start with a cranial nerve exam to look for any focal neurologic deficits, paying special attention to loss of visual acuity or visual field defects. Palpate for scalp tenderness. Look for signs of meningitis by completing Kerning, Radzinski, and Jolt accentuation tests. Next, complete a screening cardiovascular exam. As previously mentioned, cardiac complications of GCA are less common, but may include aortic dissections and aneurysms, which can manifest as bruise or new aortic regurgitation murmurs. Check blood pressure on both arms to ensure there is no discrepancy. Lastly, complete a musculoskeletal exam. Examine the patient's joints for signs of erythema or swelling, and look for signs of decreased muscle bulk, which may suggest other causes of weakness. Next, move on to palpation for any tenderness or effusions in the affected muscles and joints. Lastly, complete range of motion and strength testing. Range of motion is frequently limited in this disease, but while patients may complain of subjective limb weakness, careful examination should reveal normal strength in affected muscles. Objective weakness should make you consider other diagnoses such as inflammatory myopathies. Moving on to investigations. It is always helpful to start with a CBC, looking for anemia or leukocytosis, which may be associated with either GCA or alternative infectious processes. Inflammatory markers such as ESR and CRP are almost always elevated and can help monitor disease progression. Other investigations such as TSH, ANA, rheumatoid factor, anti-CCP, liver enzymes, creatinine, and creatinine kinase are helpful to rule out competing diagnoses or are useful as a baseline prior to starting glucocorticoid therapy. Also consider a lumbar puncture or head imaging if your history and physical raises suspicion of meningitis or other intracranial processes. A temporal artery biopsy should be arranged for tissue diagnosis of the condition. However, this should not delay treatment if your clinical suspicion is high, as GCA-associated blindness can be progressive and permanent. Furthermore, corticosteroid therapy will not impair the quality of the biopsy sample for at least two weeks' time. The biopsy itself may show panarteritis with CD4 lymphocyte and macrophage infiltration, but may also be falsely normal in approximately 30% of patients. This is because vessel inflammation occurs in discrete spots, and these skip lesions may not be captured on the initial biopsy. In that case, biopsy of the contralateral side or angiography of other large vessels may be considered. Let's talk about treatment. Glucocorticoids remain the cornerstone of GCA therapy. If visual symptoms are present, patients should be started on 500 mg to 1 gram of methylprednisolone IV 
for three days before transitioning to oral prednisone at 1 mg per kilogram a day, with a maximum of 60 mg per day. High-dose prednisone should be continued for at least two weeks, after which the dose can be gradually tapered if the patient is having symptomatic improvement. In addition to chronic steroids, patients with GCA should be started on aspirin 81 mg daily for prevention of ischemic complications of the disease. If the patient's chief complaint is PMR without GCA, then an initial dose of 15 mg per day of prednisone is usually sufficient. This is typically continued for two to four weeks after symptom resolution and then gradually tapered at two to four week intervals. PMR is typically very steroid responsive, so alternative diagnoses should be explored if patients do not improve promptly with treatment. As always, patients on chronic glucocorticoid therapy should be counseled on long-term side effects such as hyperglycemia, osteoporosis, peptic ulcer disease, and risk of infection. Steroid-sparing therapies such as tocilizumab have been shown to improve patient outcomes, but are currently only approved for patients who cannot tolerate long-term steroid use or for those with refractory disease. Let's finish with our medicine minute. GCA is also known as Horton's disease and is named after American doctor Bayard Taylor Horton, who first described the disease in his 1932 article, an undescribed form of arteritis of the temporal vessels. His wife would go on to develop GCA 20 years later and was successfully treated with courses of oral prednisone. Okay, that's all for today. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled Giant Troubles, Approach to GCA and Polymyalgia Rheumatica. This episode was written by Dr. Honan Nair, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Tanvir Tauhi, rheumatologist, and Dr. Zijing Wu, general internist. The Internet Work series was created by Allison Lai and developed by Zara Morali and Leia Karyanopoulos. This episode was recorded and produced by Leia Karyanopoulos. Music production by Lakshmi Vasanthamala. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out www.theinternetwork.com for our associated infographic and resources. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.